Great stuff. Well, it's, uh, as I say, it's a delight to be here. I've heard a lot about this church. the first time I've ever spoken here, and uh, it's not a disappointment. Love the fact it's all ages, all colours, all nationalities. It's beautiful. It's the way it's meant to be. It's fantastic. So, um, and, you know, Mark and Kathy have made me feel so welcome. Mark's like this irrepressible, infectious Jesus follower, isn't he? And I've met him, you know, I'll pass across to various places, but actually it's the first time I've been here. So what a joy to be here. Um, please plan to be here next weekend. There's leaflets all around. Uh, uh, it would be such an encouragement. And it's so important that we see young people come to know Jesus. Please visit our stand on the way out. There's a higher stand downstairs. There's a couple of my books there. I don't keep any of the money for these, but... Even if you don't like my teaching in these books, there's God-only testimonies that will knock your socks off. One of my friends bought this book, here and sent me when it first came out, and um, she bought two copies, actually, and she said, I'm going to give one away, and a hawker came round. You know the, the guys who knock on your door selling the very expensive dishcloths and all that stuff? Yeah, well, one of these guys came round covered in tattoos, and she got chatting to him, and... Uh, um, and he said, you know, I've been an alcoholic, but I'm trying to get my life back on track, and I've got this job knocking doors. And so she said, look, I'll buy some of your wares as long as I can give you a book and you promise me you'll read it. At least read the testimonies of people just like you who've turned their lives around, and it's all Jesus. And the guy went, yeah, yeah, yeah. So she's bought, you know, all these, all these stuff off him, and he, he went away, and about six months later, she was having a, a breakfast with a daughter. It was a daughter's birthday, and uh, knock on the door, uh, one of the other kids went to the door and said, there's a scary looking guy at the door, mum, with covered in tattoos. And his mum said, Adele, she's called, said, I think I know who it might be. And she went to the door and he's there. And he said, look, uh, I read that book and I've given my life to Jesus and I've led my fiancé to the Lord and my son's gone to the Lord. I'm now involved in a church in Nottingham. How beautiful is that? You know, when you write a book like this, that's what you dream of, that God will. And one person like that, who knows the impact that one person could have for Christ? Because one person never gets saved. You know, on that higher video, there was that amazing black dude preaching and all the kids put their hands up to receive Christ. Uh, he's called Mo Timbo, Mohammed Timbo, former Muslim. We met, we met Mo when he, he was just starting. He, was, he used to be a heavy-duty gangster, drug dealer, violent criminal. And he, we, he came into prison. And he, we didn't lead him to Christ, actually. Um, he just committed his life to Christ, almost in desperation, before he started a long, long stretch in prison. So we had like seven years with Mo. And during that seven years, he led 600 ex-offenders -offender, in prison to Christ, <laughs> baptized loads of them. He came out of, came out of prison... Married his sweetheart and within a week and he is this, bringing this daughter up in this beautiful family and uh, he planted a church. And this church, you've got to see it, it's awesome. Him and his wife to start with and about three or four others. It's now hundreds of strippers and ex-prostitutes and gang members and just beautiful things. Who knows what's going to happen when one person gets yeah. saved? That's why I'm excited that already people have given their life to Christ in this, in this room today. The greatest miracle in the world's happened, and I'm praying it'll happen again. And if you do give your life to Jesus for the first time, or you're far, far away, and you come on, I'd love to give you a gift. And it's this Bible. Because all the young people who give their life to Christ at the higher tour are going to be given two things. On the mobile phones, they're going to be encouraged to download an app. Young people are very nervous nowadays about giving us their email address and the, and the mobile phone numbers. And I kind of understand that. 
We've noticed it's a bit of a new thing. A lot of parents say, don't give any strangers your contact details. But we can say, download this app. And on this app, when you get home, you'll be able to watch the evangelist who's just been sharing the good news, encouraging you on a video. And you'll be able to download all sorts of cool resources and the bands you've just seen doing their pop videos that are all about Jesus, all sorts of Bible materials. And because it's GPS, we'll be able to push them and encourage them to come to BCC if they live near here to follow-up groups that are being run. It's a whole new day. Yes. You know, this, this tool can be used for utter wickedness, can't it? But it can be used for the glory of God as well. Yes. As well as getting this amazing app, they're going to get this even more amazing book, the Bible. And it's a special version that we've created with all sorts of cool resources at the front and little tabs to help people make their way around it. And so amazing. And what a precious thing it was to give away thousands of these. We're printing 4,000 for Birmingham. Giving them away free to young people who come to Christ. And uh, you know when, you know, Queen Elizabeth, who probably won't come to the higher tour, but she's amazing, isn't she? Don't you think our Queen's amazing? And all the evidence, she's a full-on Jesus follower, you know. And, I, and you know, I, I don't know her personally, but I know people who know her personally. And she raised the real deal. When she was, uh, her coronation street, coronation street, I was going to say. Where did that come from? Her coronation. Yeah, over uh, over 60 years ago, the Archbishop of Canterbury knelt down and he gave her a silver Bible and he said, Your Majesty, here it is, the most precious thing this life affords, the lively oracles of God. You know, I believe that with my whole heart. This is the living Word of God. It can change everything. In a morning, the Word of God sinking into your spirit can change everything. It actually, it can save you. It can mean you're heading for a lost eternity and instead you go to heaven for all eternity. And you've got something to live for till you get there. Even as a Christian who's lost hope and is in despair, the Word of God can change everything. Do you believe it? Yes. Now, Queen Elizabeth, you know, you know, owns a few things, doesn't she? She's got the odd Bentley. She's got a few racehorses. You know, she's got the odd country estate, hasn't she? She's not got a bad jewellery connection. But this is the most precious thing that Queen Elizabeth affords. And I think she knows it. The Bible, the living word of God. And even as we look at it, and I thought this morning, I'm going to do something different for me. You know, normally I would take a couple of verses and dig into them. But my son, Sam, who works for The Message, a few weeks ago said, Dad, could we just meet one day a week and just meet to study the Bible together? What a precious thing, you know, a 26-year-old son and what I say that. I said, great. So we started to work our way through Mark's Gospel. We're up to about chapter 6. Just doing a chapter every week, praying, meeting, and it's been a beautiful time. And, and we do Mark because Mark's my favourite book in the Bible. It's all good stuff, but some of the Bible's a bit like cabbage and sprouts, you know, it's hard work. Still good for you, feeds you up. Other bits of the Bible are a bit more like, you know, champagne and strawberries and whatever, chocolate. And Mark's a bit more like that. But I love it all, but Mark is such an amazing book. And as I read the first chapter of Mark with Sam, wow, God was speaking to me. And there were three big things that came over as me and my son just read through this chapter and shared our thoughts. And these are the three things that I actually believe could literally change your life this morning. Three simple things from Mark chapter 1. And breakneck speed, we're going to go through the whole chapter and just dig out. But the three things I want you to get from it this morning. The first thing is this. Timing is everything. And if you want a sub point, often God's timing isn't our timing. The second thing, the second point I'd love you to get from Mark chapter 1 is opposition is inevitable. If Jesus faced great opposition and we're following him, 
so will we. And the third point, the third thing I'd love you to get from this morning is this, as we read Mark chapter 1 together. Jesus is amazing. Sub point, really, 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 really amazing. I'd love us to just leave this church and go, Jesus is amazing. So you're up for this. We're going to read the Bible together, go through a whole chapter, dig out some stuff and, and then let's see what God wants to do. And before I leave this church, I'll give you an opportunity if you don't know Christ to receive Christ. And we've been praying some people to do that this morning. And I'll give you a higher Bible, the most precious thing this life affords. All right? So let's start reading the Bible. Let's start reading the passage. This is Mark chapter 1. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. You know, Mark wants to put it right out there. This whole book is all about Jesus. And he's the Messiah, the Saviour of the world, the Chosen One. He's the Son of God. Mark wants, that's it. That's what it's all about. He also wants us to know it's written about in Isaiah the prophet. You know, the prophets in the Old Testament were prophesying for hundreds of years. And the main thing they were prophesying about was the future Messiah who's going to come, the saviour of the world, the son of God, who's going to come to the earth from heaven. That's the main thing. And they prophesied about this guy in great detail. 2,000 prophecies about the saviour of the world coming to earth. 300 plus very specific ones. The kind of things you can never fix, like exactly where he's going to be born in a place called Bethlehem. Exactly what family he's going to be born into. You know, David's line, the line of David, the, the, you know, the worship leader, the psalmist, the king. His line, he's going to be born in that family. They, they prophesied exactly what his friends are going to do to him. They prophesied everything about, everything about the kind of ministry he's going to have. They even prophesied, check this out, Psalm 22. He is going to be pierced through his hands and feet. A thousand years before crucifixion was even invented. And when people read that, they must have been like, what's that all about? He's going to be pierced through his hands and feet. It's all there in the Old Testament. Now there are probably... One or two people in history who fulfilled a couple of those prophecies. Maybe there was somebody who was born in Bethlehem who died on a cross. Maybe there was someone who's David's family, whose friends betrayed him and shared his clothes out between them. You know, maybe this stuff happened. But there's only one person who's fulfilled all 300 plus prophecies in exact detail. What's his name? Jesus. What's his name? Jesus. Ah, Jesus. He's the one. It's like God's massive spotlight on Jesus. It's all in the Old Testament. It's all prophesied. And in a way, I should do my appeal now. That's enough, isn't it? Look what's happened through history. Look at his church. He said, I'm going to build a church in gates of hell. I'm going to stop me. And look at the church. Look at us all. All these different cultures and colours and it's beautiful. And today the church is growing faster than ever because he's the Messiah, the Son of God, the Saviour of the world. This is what Isaiah prophesied. Send my messenger ahead of you. Prepare a way for you. A voice of one calling in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord and make straight paths for him. Next slide. And so John the Baptist, you see, it's all prophesied. This John the Baptist was this guy preparing the way, rolling out the red carpet for Jesus. He appeared in the wilderness and he was preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. If you want to be saved, you want your sins forgiven, you want to go to heaven, you have to repent. 
It's absolutely clear. Jesus' message was a message of repentance. John the Baptist, who prepared the way for Jesus, it was a message of repentance. I.e., I'm living my way. I'm in charge of my life. I'm boss. What I say goes. I turn the opposite way and I make you Jesus, Lord. I do what you want, God. I'm on your side from now on. I'm not living for myself. I'm living for you. And you know what happens when you do that? When you make him Lord, you offer yourself. He forgives your sins. You're looking at the front at a forgiven man. I'm going to heaven, people. I don't deserve it. You know, you may think, I don't want to go if he's going. But I'll be a lot better looking than this. I'll have hair and a six-pack. It'll be beautiful, girls. But you know, where I am going because I'm forgiven, not because I deserve it, because I've, got, I've jumped in the one lifeboat that's going to heaven. Through the cross of Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? You know, I'm going, I'm forgiven. I know what it is. I know what it is to live lost, screwed up. Things aren't right. And I know what it's like to live free, forgiven. And it's all because of Jesus. Because I repented of my sins and I put my faith in him. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. You know, there's no Facebook campaign. There's no publicity. This guy, John, was just a magnet. I long for that as well, don't you? You know, for the higher tour, yeah, we're going to work hard. We're going to 75 schools. We'll have lots of publicity and videos and cool bands. But I want the Holy Spirit to draw young people in. I want us to have to book night after night after night because young people are just so desperate to come into this place and receive Christ and venues all across the Midlands, don't you? It's what happened with John. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist and he ate locusts and wild honey. Nice. And this was his message. After me comes one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptise you with water, but he will baptise you with the Holy Spirit. You know, Jesus said about John the Baptist, you know, the one that came with his special ministry of preparing the way for him. This guy is the greatest man who's ever lived. Up to this point, Jesus said, this guy, there's no one like him. He's amazing. And you know what it was? It was because his whole heartbeat was he must become greater, I must become less. You know, I'm not even worthy to stoop down and tie his shoelaces. John was like the superstar preacher. He was like the man of power for the hour. They were flocking to baptism and John was like, it's actually all about him. And if we had more men and women like that, I tell you, we would see a revival, I believe. It's all about Jesus, not about me and my ministry and my profile and my success it's all about Jesus. And that was John, and it was a beautiful thing. And John said, Jesus is coming. I'm baptizing with water. This guy is going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. We're meant to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's not meant to be a few select Christians who are men of power for the hour. We're all meant to be baptized. It means drenched, overwhelmed, flooded with the Holy Spirit. That's meant to be our daily walk. People say you've been filled with the Holy Spirit. My answer is, I want to be being filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, I don't want some moment 20 years ago. Wow, that was amazing. I want now. Heaven to be opening, pouring down and spirit to be flowing out of me. Do you understand what I'm saying? And that's your inheritance. That's your birthright, people. If you follow Jesus. Next slide. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee. He was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming out of the water, he saw heaven being opened and the Spirit descending him on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven saying, you're my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. What an amazing moment for Jesus, the son. Son of God. He is his father in heaven. He is the voice of God. 
You know, for 30 years, well, we don't know what he's done, but we know he lived in a little, you know, run-down place called Nazareth that was little more than a bunch of caves in the northwest of Israel. As you know, all the best things come from the northwest. Come on. <laughs> and uh, and uh, he, he just lived there and just grew up and he made tables. He's a carpenter. And it must have been kind of frustrating for the angels, don't you think? That all this palaver. Actually, at the end of the, pro- the prophets prophesying about the Messiah, there was hundreds of years of silence. And then, boom, it all kicked off in Bethlehem and in the hillsides. And dozens of those prophesy- prophecies were fulfilled on one day as Jesus was born. And it all happened. It's all there in the Old Testament. And then they must have been like, yes, we're off. And then 30 years of silence until it's time. Because time means everything in the kingdom of God. Jesus grew in maturity, grew in favour with God and man, and it's time for him to launch his ministry. And it starts with this amazing affirmation from the Father. It's not like he's preached the Sermon on the Mount or healed a load of sick people and the Father's like, nice one, son. He's just, you're my son. Some people in this church need to know God is pleased with you. You know why? Because you're his son. Because you're his daughter. He just loves you. He loves you. And when he looks at you, he doesn't see what you used to be, your messed up life. He sees, his, he sees Jesus. Do you really believe that? Yeah. I'm clothed with Jesus Christ. He looks at me and I've got my chips and my baggage, but God sees me as his son. And it's a precious thing when you can walk in that. So what a moment. Jesus is up. And then get this, at once, the Spirit. Not the devil sent him into the wilderness and he was in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by Satan. Nearly six weeks in the desert fasting, we know that, and praying. And the wild animals and angels attended to him. In that time in the desert, we know from other gospels that Jesus was completely put through the ringer. Everything he believed was true, was tested and tried. Satan tried to twist scriptures. You know, Satan loves to kill things when they're kids. At the start of ministries, at the start of new initiatives, start of God things, he loves to come in and destroy them. But Jesus stayed strong. And it says in Luke chapter 4, he was up because he came out of the desert in the power of the Holy Spirit. Next slide. And look what happened after John was put in prison. So he comes out of the desert. He's battled the desert devil. He's kicked the devil's butt. He's broken through. He's heard the Father's heart. He's ready to embark upon this extraordinary ministry. And John, his best friend, the guy he called the greatest man who's ever lived, is put in prison. We actually know he wasn't just put in prison. He was beheaded. How hard is that? And he was beheaded just for following Jesus, just for being faithful. You know, man, talk about roller coaster. If you do give your life to Christ today, you're buying into what is a massive roller coaster. Highs like you can't believe, but also challenges and opposition. There is another alternative. It's a kiddie ride that goes round and round and round, and it's boring and it's heading nowhere. I know what ride I want to be on, don't you? The highs, the kingdom breakthroughs, pushing through the opposition, seeing stuff advance in Jesus' name. It's the life we're our role model and the life we're meant to be living. The time has come. Get that. The time has come. He said, the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. And Jesus called his first disciples. And what a ragbag bunch they were. Jesus' first thought was partnership, was building a team. You know, as if Jesus needs jokers like 
Andrew and Simon and James and John and me and you. But it's his great joy and his great delight to work through ordinary, frail, inconsistent people and show his glory. So he's out there instantly looking for ordinary blokes and he sees these two poor fishermen fishing by the Lake of Galilee. Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come, follow me. There's a Christian. That's what it means to be a Christian. Follow Jesus. Jesus said, I'll send you out to fish for people. That's also what it means to be a Christian. First thing Jesus says to any man, woman, boy or girl is, come, come to me if you're weary and heavy laden. Come to me if you're sick of your sin. Come to me if you want to live for. Guess what the second thing he says to any man, woman, boy or girl is? Go, well done, Mark. What's the second thing? First thing is come. Second thing is go out and fish for people in my name. And at once they left their nets and followed him. When he'd gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Now James and John were a little bit better off than Andrew and Simon. They were just poor, rural, working fishermen. James and John had a bit of a business. It was Zebedee, their father's business. They had hired men working for him. They had an operation going on that they were going to inherit. And so this is a bit more of a big step, isn't it? Jesus goes up to these two young men, James and John, sons of Zebedee, in the boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Zebedee must have been a little bit like this. We've got a business to run here. You know, you're going to inherit all this. This is your inheritance. And they're like, we've been gripped by something greater. So we're following him. We're leaving everything and following Jesus. They went to Capernaum and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority, not as their teachers of the law. Now, if you've been around church any time, you will have heard some dire preaching. I mean, you'll have heard preaching that just does your head in. So boring and you'll have been in those services where your head's gone pinch me pinch me Michelle but you'll have also been in services in meetings where the guy at the front or the girl at the front was just dripping with anointing there was authority and you were like the only person in the room and it's you and God and his word for you well this was like Jesus but times a million Do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, these guys, you think you've been through some religious meetings. I'm telling you, these guys have had the worst of the worst. The Pharisees, the rules boys, the tradition, the boring stuff. And then Jesus comes and it's just like life. It's authority. You know, if you've been to see the Rolling Stones at the O2 Arena on their last tour last year, you know, these geriatric boat blokes jigging around on stage in well into the 70s. The top price ticket would have cost you £600. Who paid that? Tell me. But how much would you give to have just been there to hear the way Jesus taught that just gripped the people and changed their lives because of the authority? And just then a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, what do you want with us, Jesus? Jesus of Nazareth, have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet. Jesus literally spoke to that demon like a little dog napping, nipping at his heels. Be quiet. And the demon fled in Jesus' name. There's power in the name of Jesus. 
If you come to destroy us, I know you are the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all so amazed, asked each other, what is this? A new teaching and with authority. He even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. Again, news, no social media, no publicity, just news about Jesus spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. Right, next slide. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever and immediately told Jesus about her. He went to her, took her hand and helped her up. The fever left her and she began to wait on them. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who were ill and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. I mean, imagine the scene at Jesus' door. Thousands of people from this whole region, mentally ill, lame, blind, deaf, AIDS, cancer, you name it. It was all there. And Jesus just reached out and poured himself out and healed every kind of sickness and cast out demons. Wow. Wouldn't you love to have seen it in action? What an amazing thing that is. I mean, we're seeing nothing like this. But I do think Jesus wants to step up the miraculous. Maybe part of our reason for gathering on a Wednesday evening, so we'll get filled to go and preach the gospel, but also that there'll be signs following. That we'll start to see an outbreak of the miraculous. That will make the chins of a world in need hit the floor. Don't you want that? Yes. On the way out, I really hope you'll visit our standard. Pick up this free magazine called Flow. Lots of amazing testimonies. On the front is this couple, Dave and Shana Morgan. They lead our first Eden team in Canada, a place called Wally, a very deprived community. About six weeks ago, they were ministering on the strip. There's a, like a whole area where all the pavements are just full of homeless, addicts, junkies, broken people, and they were giving out food and praying for people and a guy just suddenly started like shaking and went violently ill and died on the pavement. They'd been in, the, in front of him, this heroin addict, and they'd been praying like early in the morning, getting fired up and, and they felt prompted, three of them, to just carry on praying for this guy. The paramedics had really worked on him, tried to bring him back to life. The paramedics were packing up their ambulance and for another 25 minutes, they prayed for this guy on the streets of Wally in Canada. After 25 minutes, all the colour came back into his body. They saw him go blue. He coughed. He'd gone all waxy and grey and cold. He coughed. He sat up and he gave his life to Jesus. And he came back to life. Now, it's up to you whether you, you believe in that. But I know these people. I, I'm going there next week. And, and this is not Heidi Baker or, or you know, Reinhard Bonnke. This is my mate Dave and Shana and Chris. And I just felt God did that extraordinary miracle to kind of say it's a new day. I'm turning up the heat. You're going to see things you've not seen before. And I don't believe that's just for the message. I believe that's for BCC. Get ready for Jesus to turn up the heat. He's looking for people of faith who will follow Jesus and do what Jesus did. Wow, it must have been amazing to be there. And so it's really kicking off. And Jesus is like JC superstar. Look what happened next. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place. You know, this is the key to revival. So many revivals fall around the world because the guy who leads it 
just drives himself, or the girl drives himself into the ground, meeting after meeting after meeting. Jesus had a different rhythm going on. He was pouring himself out, and then very early he went to spend time with the Father. Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone's looking for you. I mean, this is the moment. This is like, let's get Aston Villa, Villa Football Stadium booked. Let's get all the publicity out. This is the big moment. It's all kicking off. The thousands, the miracles, it's amazing. Jesus said, let's go somewhere else. To the nearby, what's the word? Villages. Come on, Jesus. Surely this is city time. Surely this is vast crowd time. No, Jesus knew timing is everything. There was a time to go to Jerusalem. There was a time to preach the gospel to the masses. He did that as well. But right now, at the start of his ministry, he doesn't want people just coming to him for healing. He wants to do the greater miracle and signs will follow. He wants to see the miracle of salvation. The miracle of repent and the kingdom of God will come. So Jesus said, I must go to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That's why I've come. So he travelled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. How amazing is Jesus? He was in this beautiful rhythm with the Father, totally guided by him, not doing often what men expected, just doing what God wanted him to do. And as a result, unbelievable, glorious things happen. Okay, final slide. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant. I love that word. Jesus was like, no, this is so wrong. Here's this guy with this terrible skin condition and he's no digits on his fingers and his toes and often your ears and your nose would even fall off. You'd have to live in a, a leprosy colony. You weren't allowed to go to the temple. You were considered unclean. You'd have to ring a bell and go unclean, unclean. You weren't allowed to touch that man by law. That's how bad it was being a leper. And Jesus is like, no. But you know, there needs some people in this church this morning who are indignant about what's happening to our young people. I'm indignant about youth culture. I'm indignant about the sexualization of our young people. I'm indignant about all this self-harm and suicide. I'm not having it anymore. No, in Jesus' name. So I'm going to reach out into that situation. And Jesus reached out into this situation and, he, and said, be clean immediately. The leprosy left him and he was cleansed. And Jesus sent him away at once with what? A strong warning. See that you don't tell anyone. Just go show yourself to the priest so he could enter back into the worship in the temple. Show yourself to the priest because he wasn't allowed because of his leprosy and offer sacrifices that Moses commanded for your testimony to them, for, for your cleansing as a testimony to them. And Jesus is like, look, mate, just look me in the eyes, right? Okay. You know, friend, you've seen a great miracle, but right now it's not going to be helpful if you blab this to anybody. Because I'm here to preach. I want to preach the good news of the kingdom. I don't want people just flocking to me to be healed. I want flocking to me for the good news of the kingdom. Look me in the eyes right now. Keep quiet. Okay. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Shake on it with your shiny new hand. Shake on it. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. This is like strong. I'm not playing games now, mate. This is important. You understand how important it is? Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Instead, he went out 
and began to talk freely, spreading the news. And as a result, even Jesus was boxed in and could no longer enter a town openly, but be stayed outside in lonely places because this joker wouldn't listen to Jesus. Sometimes we think we know better than Jesus, don't we? You know, sometimes we think the timing, the opposition, the pressures of life, the stuff we go through, we try and do it our own way and it never works. Jesus' way works. We need to spend time with him. When we get Jesus' way, it works. But Jesus always wins and yet still the people came to him from everywhere. Three things I want you to know this morning. Timing's everything. There's people in this church who have been waiting for that breakthrough waiting for that relationship, waiting for that healing, waiting for that financial provision. And this morning could be the breakthrough day. You know, press into Jesus, but whatever, God's timing is perfect. Keep your eyes on him. And Christianity isn't a way out, it's a way through. It's a power to go through. And some of you need to know the opposition you're facing is inevitable because you chose to be on the roller coaster. You didn't choose to be on the little kiddie ride going round and round, going all the way to hell. You chose to be on the highest breakthrough moments, challenges like you can't believe, but I'm pushing in because I love Jesus. And all of us can agree, I hope, that Jesus is amazing. Isn't he glorious? You know, I sometimes read this book and... You know, 40 years I've been a Christian, more than 40 years, and... I still struggle with some of this book, certainly the Old Testament. It's not my book, it's his book. And what really keeps me going is Jesus. Because he's amazing. He's glorious. He's wonderful. He's big enough for anything life throws at you. And I tell you what, I would hate to be going through life without him. I've tried that. It sucks. And then I've tried Jesus in charge of my life. And a sense of purpose and power and strength to go through everything life throws at you. And I've learned after more than 40 years of being a Christian, Jesus is amazing. Really, really, really amazing. Come on. Let's give the Lord a round of applause. He's wonderful. I'd love it if we could all just pray at the end of my talk. Let's just all bow our heads, close our eyes, be aware of his presence. Jesus is here. He is amazing. He's wonderful. Thank you, Lord, that you're here by your spirit. I pray we'll know it, Lord. And I pray even in this church this morning that right now salvation will spring up. pray you'll do the things that only you can do, the greatest miracle in the world, greater than raising someone from the dead, that forgiveness will come and freedom and hope and heaven will break in. And I'd love to give you, as I say at the end of this service, if you want to commit your life to Christ, one of these higher Bibles, just as a gift, as a sign. Even if you've got a Bible already, take this home and it'll remind you that you made this commitment this morning. So if you're here this morning and you're not a Christian and you, and you want to be a Christian, at the end of the service, you can just come and see me and I'll give you one of these Bibles and pray for you. But if you're here this morning, you're not a Christian, you want to be a Christian, or you've fallen so far away that you, you, know, you don't know if you're a Christian anymore, but you really want to give your life to Christ this morning, this is not for Christians who want a free Bible, right? <laughs> this is for you if you're, if you're not a Christian, you want to give your life to Christ. And, or if you've just fallen so far away, but you know you need to come home again this morning. Would you just raise your hand right where you are? Just raise your hand in this church this morning to say yes to Jesus. Yeah. 
Anyone else? Thank you, Jesus. Yes, beautiful. In the middle. Anyone, yes, anyone else? Yeah? Yes, thank you, Lord. This is like, you know, the greatest miracle in the world is happening as people are reaching out to Jesus in this church this morning. I'm not going to extend this too long. Was anyone else who just to say yes? You're not raising your hand to Andy Hawthorne. You're saying yes to Jesus Christ. And I'm going to live for him with his help for the rest of my days. Anyone else needs to do that this morning? Thank you, Jesus. Just give your life to Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Just put your hands down. I want to pray a blessing over you. Lord, I thank you for the people who raised their hands this morning in this service in the last service. I pray that that will be much more than raising their hand at the end of a meeting. I pray it will be a life-changing encounter with the living God. And you'll break in now and you'll baptize him with the Holy Spirit. Drench him and send him out of here as world changes. Thank you, Lord. Amen. One more thing I want to say. You know, I had a guy come to me at the end of the, you know, a couple of people came forward and got the Bibles off me and gave their life to Jesus. And then I was just by our stand and a guy came and said, I really, really wanted to do that, Andy. I really wanted to give my life to Christ. I, I've been coming to this church for two months, but I knew today and I, I didn't have the courage to put my hand up. I'm like, it's not about putting your hand up, mate. <laughs> just coming to me and praying now, Jesus will always say yes. Anyone who comes to me, Jesus says, there's no way I'll turn them away. So even if you didn't raise your hand, but you know you need to give your life to Christ, and actually, if you brought someone, maybe it's a partner, maybe it's a friend who doesn't know Jesus, please, will you really, really dig him in the ribs at the end of the service and say, should we go and see Andy? And just pray and receive one of those Bibles and get that blessing and start a fresh life with Jesus in charge. Is that all right? Okay. Jesus is amazing. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.